Father in heaven, we're so, th- so thankful to thee for blessing us so richly, Lord, that we could be here in thy house in this day. Lord, we're, we come on a, a familiar, in a familiar pattern, and we come for familiar reasons as we weekly gather before thee collectively to look into thy word and to expect and to study after a blessing for it, from it. Excuse me, but Lord, but we're here on a, a special Sunday to, to celebrate Mother's Day, to celebrate a day that our entire nation has set aside to honor the women in our lives. And so, Lord, we're even more familiar with that, but recognize the special nature of the day and, and pray, Father, that you'd give us hearts and minds of understanding of the particular message that you'd have for us on this special day. Lord, pray that you'd take the distractions or thoughts that might otherwise invade our minds and and toss our thoughts about, Lord, and give us a clear focus of the words that you'd have us to share together and of the lesson that we should learn collectively and even apply individually. So, Lord, now as we would look into thy word, we'd ask a blessing on it and give thee thanks for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I ask you to turn with me to... Second Kings chapter four. Second Kings chapter four. There are many passages that we could look at um, for Mother's Day and to celebrate that uh, celebrate the, the spiritual women in our lives, and a, a number of different ones came to mind, but for some reason, and not, well, not for some reason, but the Lord opened this particular scripture up because of one verse, I won't tell you which one that is yet, we'll, we'll talk about it towards the end, but for one verse that's mixed into the middle of this whole story um, that I, I, I thought would be good to meditate on, and then as I looked at the story more, off, more in detail, I was struck by the, the character in, the, in this story. Um, we're going to start with verse 8. This is the encounter that Elisha has with the, the Shunammite woman, the Shunammite mother. Um, it's not, I can't say that this is a, a real familiar story. It wasn't a super familiar story to me, but it was drawn there by this, this one verse that we'll look at a little bit later. But let's just read, um, we'll read the bulk of chapter 4. Second Kings, starting with verse 8. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed through Shunem, where was a great woman, and she, was constra- and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And when she said unto her husband, excuse me, and she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick, and it shall be that when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned unto the chamber and lay there. And he said unto Heget, and he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call the Shunammite one. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us, 
with all this care, what is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily, she has no children, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood at the door, and he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at the season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that, went, that he went out to his father to the reapers. And he said unto his father, My head, my head. And he said to a lad, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees, on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses, that I may ride, that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It's neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It shall be well. Then she saddled an ass, saddled an ass, and said to her servant, Drive and go forth. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass, when the man of God saw her afar off, he said to Gehazi his servant, Behold, yonder is the Shunammite. Run down, I pray thee, to meet her and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with thy child? And she answered, It is well. And when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away, and the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. Then she said, Did I not desire a son of did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, Gird up thy loins, and take thy staff in thy hand, take my staff in thy hand, and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not, and if any salute thee, answer him not again, and lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. And Gehazi passed on before them, and laid the staff on the face of the child, and there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore he went again to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awakened. And when Elisha was come into the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in, therefore, and shut the door upon the, them twain and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child and the, child, and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked into the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite. So he called her. And when she was coming to him, he said, Take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at, the, fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. We'll stop with verse 37. 
this this passage is one that if you read it real fast and, and don't pay attention to some of the details, it it sounds like it's all about the miracles. It sounds like it's all about the um, to me, my, my thoughts were first drawn to the, the back half where Elisha has to go through these steps to complete this resurrection of the child. He has to do multiple things. He, it's not an instant um, take up your bed and walk or you know, go back to your house, the child will be healed. And while that's important and it's, it's a great portion of the story, as I read this a number of times, um, and even in a couple of translations too, um, you garner a little bit more depth to this relationship that this Shunammite mother has with Elisha. And on a day where we could read Proverbs 31 or we could read Titus 2, we, there's so many different passages that we could read that talk about um, mothers of faith, that talk about virtuous spiritual women and, and, and to praise those things. What I thought would be would be helpful, um, helpful, what I thought valuable would be to take some time to, to dissect this particular scripture and to point out some things that we may not always, um, we may not always touch on on a Mother's Day service. The, the scenario here is that we're at the beginning of this chapter. We have the uh, account of Elisha um, augmenting the woman's oil, the, you know, basically working with the widow and her I think it was her son, and providing them with the oil um, that never runs out. But then we, we take in the realm or in the hierarchy of um, socioeconomic classes, I guess, we find Elisha with a great woman. Um, passed through Shunem and found a great woman. The Amplified talks about a notable woman, but a wealthy person, someone of of stature in the community. And right from the get-go, we see that this is somebody that, that constrains him, that, that shows hospitality, that sees something in him that is attractive in the sense that she wants to be associated with it. She wants to have him there in her house, um, whether that's to hear words of wisdom from God, whether that's to have a blessing imparted on her house. We're not really sure why, but she's apparently this is a, a path or, or a pathway, a passageway that he goes by often, and, and he continually comes in to this family's home. We're not sure why. Um, we, we don't know what what the reasoning would be, but she she tells her husband, "I perceive that this is a man of God," and in in that perception, in recognizing that, she goes to him and asks for kind of a crazy request, it seems to me. She says, I want to build a room. I want to build him an in-law quarters on the roof of the house. I don't know how common that was. I mean, it seems, Opo, you've told the story of um, inviting the bums up during the war or during the Depression and, and offering them that grandma would cook them something to eat. That makes sense. That seems like what she would do. But if, if Ash came to me and said, there's this guy, I, I perceive that this man of God that walks by our house every couple of weeks, I want to build him a room. I, I don't know what I would say. I actually I have a couple ideas of what I would say. It, it wouldn't, it's not the kind of thing you would just jump into. I mean, if my neighbor 
and we've talked about this, if Mr. Steve needed a place to stay, it would take a little bit of coordination to figure out how we're going to build a room to make a place for... This is... This was, a, this was a big ask. And yet maybe it says something about the relationship that the husband and wife had where we don't ever see that there's, there's pushback. This, this husband only pushes back one, other, one time in this passage, and we'll see where crazily where that is. But apparently there wasn't much discussion. She said, I perceive that this is a man of God. I'd like to build him a room where he can come and there will be a candle or a lantern. He can come and lodge when he passes by. And so it is done. And it says, Then it fell upon a day that he came thither. So Elisha comes back and turned into the chamber and lay there. He now is a, you know, a, a resident of their home as he passes by. And obviously this made an impression on Elisha. He, you don't know, we don't know what the dialogue was that they had over these meals or, or what the even relationship was um, between them, but he's impressed by this generosity that she's, she's shown him. And so he says to his servant, he says, call the, call the Shunammite, call the mother here, and, and ask her what should be done for her. Now mind you, he just got done filling perpetually filling oil for one family. The offer that he makes to this family is, should I go to the king? Should I say something to the captains of the, does he say the captain of the army? What would be done for thee? Should I go put in a good word with the king or to the captain of the host? This kind of talks about or gives more example of, of what stature this family was and who, who she was. Um, would you like me to say something, put in a good word for you with the governor, with the president, with the, whoever is, is in charge? And humbly, she says, um, verily, she hath no ch- Oh, sorry, that's... Um, she answered, I dwell among mine own people. As if to say, I don't want any recognition. I'm not looking to climb a ladder I am content to stay here with my own people and with my own family. And to Elisha, this is a, that's not good enough. There needs to be something. There need, something needs to be done. There's an interesting relationship here too where you, you see Elisha telling the servant to go call the woman and then tells the servant what kind of dialogue they should have together. And it almost describes it in a sense that Elisha can hear what she's saying back, but is, is using this intermediary. I'm not sure, culturally, I'm not sure exactly why that happened. It, it seems to add this bit of a strange dynamic, but it, it plays out even more in a little bit. So Elisha says, well, what else could we do? And the servant says, well, I got an idea. The servant says, she is childless, and her husband is old. So nothing is going to happen there. This, it's, she's going to be uh, motherless, or she's going to be childless for her whole life. And Elisha says, perfect. And this is where he says to her specifically. And he says, you're going to have a child by next year. By the springtime next year, you will have a child. And what's her response? She says, nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. There's... Maybe a striking response. Uh, to me, it's a little bit striking. Someone that she holds in such high esteem that she, um, 
has invited into her home, clearly respects, now is making this offer, this proclamation to her that, you know what, next year you're going to have a child. Having an intuition as to what her desire would be uh, to be a mother, he says, you're going to get your wish. You're going to get your wish. And she says, don't, don't lie to me. Don't get my hopes up. Don't tell me something that is not going to happen. It's not quite Sarah laughing, but it's along those lines. It's the, this is not, it's not possible, so don't get my hopes up. But, verse 17, And the woman conceived and bare a son at the season that Elisha said unto her, according to the time of life. And the child was grown, and it fell on the day that he went out to his father to the reapers. And, you know, the heartbreaking story, right? Little boy is born, is healthy, um, and then there comes a day that he goes to his father to work in the field and says, my, he- my head hurts. Dad, dad, my head hurts. And as every father's reaction is, what does the father say? Go find your mother. Even the cards that we looked at at the, uh, the store the last couple of days, Mother's Day cards, have all these questions. Kids asking the mothers all these, these questions. And the one question they ask dad, well, this is actually the card we bought. The one question they ask dad is, where's mom? The moms get, How do, can you fix this? Can you find that? Can you play with me? Can you do this? And all the dad, dads just say, where, where's mom? The dad dismisses him, says, go to your mother. And by noon, within the same day, within the course of hours, this little boy dies. And the reaction that the mother has is, is an interesting one. I, I can't put myself, I mean, some of you have had that experience. I cannot put myself in, in that place into what my reaction would be. The grief, the sorrow, the, the weeping, the heartbroken nature of that experience. And yet, rather than going into a state of mourning, we, I almost sense a, like a, a stoic um, reaction to this. She takes the boy and doesn't put him in his bed, doesn't put him in her bed. She takes him up to the roof and lays him in the bed of Elisha. Put, takes him up to Elisha's apartment and lays him on the bed and shuts the door. And comes back to her husband and says, Get me one of the servants. I need to go find the man of God. On the husband's reaction, why? What's the point? It's not Sunday. It's not the feast of whatever. What's what's the point? The dismissive nature of this husband, one, is convicting to me, and two, is appalling at the same time. I, 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 maybe I'm missing something in the dialogue. Maybe there's something else there. But the reaction to, you're in the field, you're working, your little boy gets sick, you send him back to your wife. When you come back to the house, or no, he dies at lunchtime. Your wife comes out and says, get me a servant. I need to go find the man of God. And he says, what's the point? Clearly not caring for the needs of his wife or caring and understanding some of the needs that would take place there. But rather than hit him over the head with a frying pan or fly off the handle, she just says, it is well, and then goes about her business and takes things into her own hands. 
It says, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? This is the husband, sorry. Wilt thou go to him today? It's neither the new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It shall be well. Excuse me. Then she saddled an ass. She put, you know, she mounted the donkey and she said to her servant, Drive and go forward. And I love this. The king's English is, is beautiful. Slack not thy riding from me, for me, except I bid thee. Don't stop for, don't stop for red lights. Don't you dare slow down unless I tell you to, is effectively what she's saying. She says, I don't care what happens. Do not stop for traffic lights. So she went and came to the man of God to Mount Carmel. Elisha was on Mount Carmel, and it came to pass when Elisha saw her afar off, he sees her coming. Don't know what that elevation was, but he sees her coming. I'd imagine it's because she's coming on a donkey or a chariot or whatever this is, and it's turning up dust, and he says, Ah, Gehazi, that's the Shunammites coming. Don't know how he could pick that out of the distance or how that happened, but the Shunammites coming. Go ask her, is it well with you? Is it well with your family? Is it well with your husband? And so Gehazi flies on down. Again, why Elisha doesn't go down himself? Maybe it's the cultural thing that I'm not following. But he sends a servant down and the servant asks those questions. Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Or is it well with your children? Is it well with your husband? And she says, it is well. Not exactly being honest about the, scenario, the situation, but pursues to the mountain, to Elisha, and when he gets there, or when she gets there, she falls to the ground and grabs his leg. The calm, collected, uh, contented, peaceful woman that approached and told the servant, it is well. Everything's good. No problem. Now, sprawls herself out and grabs the leg of this man of God, of this prophet, to the point where Gehazi says, he tries to thrust her off, it says. He tries to, to yank her off. When she came to the man of God, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And Elisha, the man of God, said, let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. A man of God that is a little disconnected, or excuse me, I shouldn't say disconnected, but is not given the insight as to what this particular situation is unfolding in front of him. And she says, Did I desire a son of the Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? The, it's not a lack of respect. I don't sense it as a, a lack of respect or of um, appreciating his position. But she calls him on exactly what she was worried about was going to happen. She said, I didn't ask for this child. I told you, don't deceive me. Don't put me in this position. I was worried this would happen. I was worried that this might be the thing that was going to unfold. And here, this is exactly my biggest fear has come to pass. The reason she wasn't going to tell Gehazi what was going on was because she needed to have her moment with the man had made this promise to her. She wanted to claim, claim her right 
to confront this situation and to address this particular situation. Show the strength of, of, of conscience to say, this is what I was worried about. And you promised this, now you have to call on God to do something about it. Then he says to Gehazi, this is Elisha, Gird up your loins and take, thy, take my staff in thy hand and go thy way and thou meet any man, salute him not. He said, take my staff, go down the mountain. Go as fast as you can. If anybody tries to talk to you, don't talk to them. Don't be distracted in any way, shape, or form. But with laser light focus, go down there, lay this staff on the boy, and it'll all be fine. Do, you Go ahead and take care of this. Seems reasonable. Seems appropriate. Elisha's been asking Gehazi to do many, many things uh, as his servant. Even in this story, he's been the intermediary a number of times. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So help me. On your life, I am not leaving you. You are going to come take care of this. As you promised to me, on your life, this as, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. There was no question that she was taking stock of, that she was taking ownership of this. And if she had to take Elisha by the collar and pull him back to that home and up into his apartment, that man of God was going to meet that child that he had promised her. And he arose and followed her. It strikes me. I mean, I can't think of many other, I can't think of any other stories in Scripture where that kind of an interaction between men and women took place. I can't, I can't think of ones that were that um, emotional. Maybe, right? We have so many that... Um, when, when Jesus came back to Mary and Martha uh, after Lazarus had, had died and, and the pleading, if you had been here, my, husband, or my brother had not died. And all of these are emotional, but with a, not a, an aggressive um, holding these men of God to what they had promised or holding God to what he had promised. This mother is... is holding on to the life of her son with a death grip and saying, you promised this to me and I am not going to let you, I'm not going to let this, this pass. So Gehazi passed on before. They, now, they're, now they're all approaching back to the house. They're all running toward the house. And Gehazi goes ahead and does everything with the, the staff like he's supposed to. Nothing. The child is not awakened. So Elisha and the mother come into the house and when the behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. And this is where we see this miracle, this staged miracle unfold, where he has to first um, lay himself upon the child and breathe into the child's mouth and hold his hands and, and you know, prostrate himself on the child. And the child warms up. And then he returned and walked into the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself out upon the child. It goes back and does this a second time. And this time, the child sneezes seven times. Of course, it was either going to be seven or twelve. 
sneezes seven times, and the child awakens and is alive, and the mother's brought back in and bows down before him and then takes up her child and goes out. Just a, such a unique story and one with so many different aspects of, of emotion and, and character traits uh, being pulled out. I mean, when we, when we look at like Proverbs 31, we can pull out all these different attributes of, of spiritual, uh, spirituality and as described by the virtuous woman. And we can see all of those things brought out in one way or the other with this, this Shunammite mother. What, the verse that was the one that drew me to this chapter in the first part, or first point, was the verse that says, when Gehazi runs over to her and, and asks, is it well with you? Is it well with your family? Is it well, or your children? Is it well with your husband? We do, I don't know, mothers, you can tell us if we do, but I feel like we do a, a good job on Mother's Day of praising and honoring our mothers. Rightfully so, and worthy of it. And we often say that the reason that we do that, the reason that we're so thankful, if you look at all the cards at the grocery store, the reason that we are so thankful for these spiritual women in our lives is because they're always worrying about, is it well with my family? Is it well with my husband? In a year where everything has gone bananas in the last year, I, I can see in my own life, in my own family, and in many, many of the families that we're, our church family, and in, in our, our friends, we can see how the mothers have taken on an exorbitant's not the right word, an unbalanced, an over, what, whatever it is. For all of the stress that the dads had, the moms had it in spades. Working virtually. Well, yeah, I did for a day. I worked virtually for a day, then I went back to the office because it wasn't possible. So homeschool was mom, and, and hers was virtual work and virtual school and all of those things. And that's not, it's not just us, that was everybody. The question was always, is everybody okay? Kids, are you okay? Is Ethan okay? Is Ellie okay? Is Max okay? Are mom and dad okay? Is everybody okay? Mike, are you okay? Every, are you okay? Is everybody else okay? And on Mother's Day, we said, boy, you, you ladies do a phenomenal job, and we're just so thankful for it. But the question that we don't often ask is, are you okay? Mother's Day... Even in, I, I, I had to play to the, the oblivious nature of the couple men in this story. The one husband can't, maybe it's just me, but can't perceive or appreciate the gravity of the fact that his child just died and the grieving that his, mother, his wife is going through. And basically says, listen, why are you sending, why are you going to the man of God? It's not Wednesday or Sunday. It's not a special occasion. It is what it is. Elisha, the same way, says to the servant, take my staff, go take care of the little boy. And she grabs him by the collar and says, don't you dare, you're coming with me. Didn't perceive that the need was that, not that the need wasn't that great, but didn't perceive 
of the necessity of his presence being there. Even when we read Proverbs 31, when the husband, at the end it says, she looked well upon her ways of her house, her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also and praiseth her, and it should say, saying, many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Great job. Thank you so much. Here's a card. Here's a meal. Here's some flowers. By the way, can we get back to work on Monday because life has to continue? My encouragement, this, uh, boy, I'm sounding heavy now. The, the encouragement that I was left with after looking at this passage and thinking about uh, the past year and, and even seeing some experiences or learning of some experiences with loved ones. Husbands, fathers, children, it's our responsibility. In the same way that our mothers and our sisters and our aunts and our grandmothers seek to care for us and to lift us up before God and are looking, having that intuition that we don't have to recognize things in our lives that need help and need direction, need admonition, need whatever needs to be applied. As Uncle Scott would say, whatever spice needs to be added, whatever spice we need in our lives, they're the ones that can taste it, see it, and then apply it. We need to have hearts and minds and eyes and ears more in tune to be able to, to address some of the needs that they have. Because the things, the, the consequences or the, the effects of, of life, the effects of this last year, the effects of any of our experiences affect us. The terrible English, but should be an obvious statement. And if they're affecting us, they're affecting them, they're affecting you, they're affecting all of us. And we need to have hearts and minds more in tune to be able to meet those needs. In, when we read in the New Testament, it talks about you know, husbands um, loving their wives as Christ loved the church and dwelling with them according to knowledge and all of these things to support them as the weaker vessel. Well, call me silly, but in the story we just read, it certainly didn't seem like the weaker vessel. We know what that means. I'm not saying that Scripture is wrong. But even in our society today, we watch a TV show. All the TV shows talk about the dumb dad and the mom who has it all together and is holding the whole world together. And there's some of the funniest shows on TV. And even better, some of the old ones are even better. We're, we're getting to the point now where we just don't watch anything live because why? And we're starting to watch all the old shows with our kids and thankful that we can because there's nothing wrong with them. But even then, even in the good old shows, the dads were sometimes ding-dongs. And in life today, sometimes the dads need help. And the mothers and the aunts, and this, I'm, not, I'm not discriminating, but the spiritual women in our lives are the ones that are holding us up and are propping us up. And sometimes we're not paying attention as to whether or not they need support and encouragement and praise too. And not just praise, boy, that was yummy, here's my laundry. This didn't become... Certainly we know that, right? And, and we all have that admonition in our, our lives. But when you actually see, when you see the consequences of lives that didn't get the support that they needed and, and what happens and the pain that can be there, when you see someone grieving and you don't realize how bad they were grieving or how, how painful the, the struggle was that they were going through, 
And only months and years down the road do you see what the scars were of that particular need and you realize that, you know what, if I would have had a heart, this isn't, this isn't me, I'm not, and it's nobody here, I'm not trying to allude to anything, but if that were to happen in my life and there was the opportunity to recognize that the relationship that I have with my wife, that I have with my mother, that I have with my grandmother or my aunts or my spiritual aunts, if there was a chance that I could have shown love in those lives sooner, deeper, broader, that would have spared some of the pain that they had to go through later on, why wouldn't I want to do that? We all would. It's not that we don't want to. It's just that we don't recognize it often enough. This world has us spinning so fast that, and they've actually done us a disservice in some ways. We've commercialized these things. Yes, thank you. It's Mother's Day. You have access to all of these different things that make it super easy to say, thank you, you're all great. But if I had to do that on next Tuesday or July 15th, when the flowers that are in the grocery store are parsed down, there are no specialty cards. If I had to write my own card, I was a significantly more uh, thoughtful person as a kid. I didn't have any money and had to write my own cards and, and make cards for, for my mother or sew pillows with Omi at the lake. When I had to do it myself and couldn't just go, okay, kids, come on, let's go find something. To watch a mom's face as she opens all the homemade things that the kids made at school is where true joy and true appreciation and true thankfulness can be showed to them and from them to her. And so I don't want to be a, a, a downer about it. It's, it's, it's not, that's not what I intended this morning. Um, for one, I wanted to point out and was convicted to point out that this lady was not a pushover. This lady saw a need and confronted this thing with both barrels and shot holes wherever they had to go. And a firearms reference, sorry. But she took this thing by the horns and said, this is what has to happen for the protection of my child, for my family. I can only imagine what conversation took place with her husband a little bit later. She recognized the necessity of a spiritual impact or the spiritual opportunity that she had to have this man of God in her life. And so she did everything, including make a room for him in the house. This was not a passive person. This wasn't a pushover. This was an anchor of faith, an anchor, no, a tower of faith. Anchor is a bad one. A tower of faith and of strength. And that's what we're blessed to have in our lives. We truly are. And so I just pray that on, a, on this Mother's Day, not just this Mother's Day, but next Tuesday or July 15th, that we're appreciating that, appreciating you, that we are investing as much in you as you have invested in us. And if and most of all, giving God the thanks and praise for the, for the witnesses of faith and the experiences of love applied in our lives that we've been able to enjoy for our whole lives.